Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is a CC Radio podcast. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. I, to tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like, the feeling. I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling. Like, you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get was a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Believe, Paranormal and UFO Radio. My name is Cade Moyer, and thanks for tuning in. If you've had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. If you enjoy this episode, there are a few things you can do to help the show. Firstly, you can go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review or you can share the show around social media with your friends and family and that will help us grow. Tonight, I'm joined by Michael, and Michael's had a handful of UFO encounters, and they all started back in the 80s. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kate. How are you? I'm very good, mate. I am excited to have you on because it's been a little while since I've had someone on to talk UFO encounters, and your UFO encounters are pretty unique, especially one of them. But we'll get to that one a little bit later on um, in the in the episode, but... Do you mind telling me about this first UFO encounter you had back in the eighties? Yeah, yeah, I would. Uh, it's great to be on the show. Um, yeah, it was it was around eighty three or eighty five or something. It's a long time ago, so I don't really quite remember exact time. Me and my brother used to travel down from Brisbane and like over Easter and places like that. We used to go to a little town called Oluca, which is on the Clarence River near Yamba. It's a really beautiful place. We used to go fishing on the beaches down there. And uh, one night. The tides are right around about midnight and we decided to go down the beach and throw our lines in. We were fishing, catching a few fish and for some reason I, I sort of looked, you know, I was looking up the beach and here's this light up the end of the beach. It's about two kilometres up because there's a big headland. It's a surf beach. There's a break wall where the river goes out and then there's a headland. Anyone's been to a Luca will know what I'm talking about. And uh, it wasn't a light though. It was like... If you can imagine what a white egg would look like, it's just white, but it wasn't glowing like someone had a, you'd turn a torch on. And I said to my brother, it looks pretty weird up there. And, you know, he looked at it and says, oh, you know, that's all right. Um, and where we are at Aluka, that's where they used to do the bombing runs from Amberley. You know, the F-111s and the Phantoms they had in those days. You could see them doing loops out to sea from Evan's head and they'd be practicing. But this thing was just sitting there and, uh, it was about two kilometres. I don't really know how high it was, two kilometres away. Some stupid reason, I picked up my torch and flashed my torch at it. <laughs> and 
my brother was sort of looking at me vague, thinking, well, what are you doing this for, you know? And uh, the moment I clicked the torch and the light went on, this thing was straight over our head. Oh, you're kidding. I don't know whether it disappeared and reappeared, but it was like a snap of a finger. It was there. There was no, like, trail of something going fast that leaves a trail behind it. It was instantaneously over. I don't know. It was probably... Couple of hundred meters up, I don't, I don't really know the height of it. It was fairly high up, and it was round. It was like a silver thing, but it glowed sort of white. And uh, my brother was sort of freaking out a bit. He's, you know, blaming me for flashing the torch. And <laughs> I don't know why I did it. I, you know, I've always been, I don't know, just, I just acted on impulse. I don't know. Um, and then I flashed my torch at it again. I'm sure that went down well. Yeah, he was sort of coming at me, trying to grab the torch off me, and I flashed the torch at it again, <laughs> and it went straight up into space. Really? Wow. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that video, that that light that goes down in uh, in uh, Israel on this. Oh, over the Vatican or something like that? Yeah, yeah. And then it all of a sudden it just shoots up. Well, just like that. Yeah, okay. And we just looked at each other and he says, last time I'm coming here with you, you know. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, you know, didn't land, didn't talk to us or anything like that. It was just, I know what I saw. And as the saying people say, I know what I saw and I know it wasn't anything from here. That's a really fascinating encounter there, Michael. Yeah, well, it, it was a purposeful movement of it. It saw the light. It come to me. I flashed the light a second time and I went straight up into the sky. It didn't fly, it didn't turn. So what was going through you know, your head when it uh, when it appeared right above you? Um, my brother said nothing, but um, yeah, I just thought I, I can't really remember. I just thought, wow, this is great. I'll just flash my light it again and see what it does a second time. And as my brother said, you mustn't have had anything going through your head at the time to do that. He said, just leave <laughs> it and let's get out of here. But you know, I've never sort of had a fear of that thing. I mean. Uh, you know, I'll probably hate my words for saying that one day, but, uh, you know, here's some of these abduction, like that, some of these abduction stories, I probably better not wish for what, wish for something I don't want, you know? But yeah, I was curious about it and it was an impulse sort of thing. It, uh, it seems like it was almost a natural curiosity from this, uh, this UFO as well. I mean, the, the fact that you flash this light at it and it appeared right above you seemed like it may have been a little bit interested in what you guys were doing as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's like I sort of signal to it. I don't know why it's, and, and it just come to me. So it's, it's like, it's checking us out. I reckon it was something to do with, uh, the bombing range out there. Um, along the beaches, like there's beautiful surf beaches along anyone's been along the north coast of New South Wales with beautiful surf beaches. And the, you know, the F 111s are diving towards the ocean. You get a lot of fishing boats that go out there. And uh, they, they actually say that one of those F 111s crashed out there. And you can, certain times, you can see the pilot walking out of the ocean under the beach. Oh, wow, really? That's, that's the local legend in, in Iluka. Ah, That's what the old to say. I always love a local Definitely. legend, something like that. It's uh, it adds a lot of uh, mystery and kind of a bit of romance to a to a special location like that. Yeah, well, they never found the pilot. I don't know whether they had two pilots and if I'm I'm not too sure about that. But they didn't they didn't find him. But they reckon you know he would walk out of the out of the surf with his with his air force gear on and and uh, yeah, very spooky. 
from what you're saying there, it sounds like this was a pretty active area during, well, I guess with the military. So they're out there doing these practice runs. Was this all active around the same time that you saw this UFO? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it wasn't at that night. They weren't there that night. But I remember that week we saw planes. Sometimes they do it during the day. You could see, you could hear them. You know, when you put it this way, you could, you could hear them, but they're already past you. Yeah. So more or less saying if they wanted to kill you, you'd be dead before you knew they were coming because they were so fast. You know, you, you could tell they were fast because the F-111s, the wings used to go back. They're really nice looking planes. Uh, if anyone had ever been to that river fire in Brisbane, you know, they, the F-111s used to do the, the run up the river. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. They're, they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're, they're really, really loud. They put the wings back and they put the afterburners on. Well, they would fly over Iluka and Yamba and out to sea and come back and loop around and do another run in. And sometimes I'd do it during the day and, you know, you could, you'd feel something and then you'd hear the whoosh and then you'd look up and there's nothing there, but you'd find it's like probably three kilometres in the distance. So it's very past you when you'd hear it. I wonder if the UFO was around that area because of the activity that the military were doing. Maybe they were testing something. And, you know, I'm, I'm really reaching here. I'm grasping at straws, yeah. but it's, um, it's really not uncommon to hear stories of UFOs close to, to military bases or areas of military activity. Yeah, well, look, I'm, I'm not saying it couldn't be something military. Um, I know the Americans are active in Australia and that sort of thing. I don't go as far as to say that UFOs are underneath Pine Gap and stuff like that. You know, you hear stories like that, but... Um, yeah, I, I, I really don't know. I, I still think these UFOs we see, they're way beyond our technology. Um, I can't understand why we're still flying, fighting wars in fixed-wing aircraft when they have these things that could take over a country in probably five minutes. Yeah, it, it really makes you wonder the uh, the technological differences between us and them, really, doesn't it? Well, as I say, you know, their technology to us is like magic, you know. Um, it's like us taking an iPhone back 200 years. We'd probably be burned at the stake for being magicians. Most know? likely. Most likely. <laughs> you know, and uh, when you consider how much technology, like I can still remember the day before um, mobile phones. And that wasn't long ago. That was 20, 22 years ago. None of us had a mobile phone unless we were a rich businessman. And that was the size of a brick. And the thing I'm holding in my hand now, like it's a Samsung can, it's, it's, you know, it's like a flat little thing that I've got a computer on it. I've got a, um, you know, all this technology, um, give me this 22 years ago and I know what it was. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it's quite amazing. The advances that technology really has made in a very, very short amount of time. If you really think of it. So, so imagine if these beings or whatever they are, um, have been around like a hundred thousand years more longer than us, or five hundred thousand years longer than us. Um, imagine what their technology would be like compared to ours. It would be oh, chalk and know, cheese, unimaginable. Chalk and cheese at the end of the day. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. when when this UFO was above you, did you hear any noises or anything, or was it just this completely silent, self-contained light? It was just completely quiet. All I could hear, hear was the, the surf coming in on the beach, and it was just there. It was. As the strangest part about it was, um, it's hard to explain. It wasn't a light, but it was bright. It was a glow, for, like it was glowing 
like if you put a torch inside an egg. I don't know if you could explain it like that. And it was like a, a dull. You could just see it. It was it was bright enough to see in the darkness because it's pretty dark on a beach at midnight. And uh, there wasn't any lights like you'd see on an aeroplane coming into land. You know, they've got their lights on coming in. You can see the shine of the light. This wasn't shining. It was like a matte light, if you know, like a a dull sort of light, but it was very visible. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And it's it quite a light. It was like silver, but, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's quite a common, I guess, theme I've heard in a lot of UFO encounters where it's it's not shining out light. It's kind of like a light that's just within itself. Yeah, yeah. It's not bright, but it's it's still, um, how do you say, it's still visible, but it's not something I'd have to hold my hand over my eyes to see it. You yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. so I'm really interested about this second UFO encounter that you had, because this one didn't happen in Australia. It happened over in Bra- uh, in Brazil. Are you able to go into that one for me? Yeah, sure. We, we sort of left, I'm married to a Brazilian lady and- uh, I just we decided to go back to Brazil for like eight eight or nine years, um, just to see how the other half lived. And we lived in a in a state called Sao Paulo, which is like similar on latitude of Brisbane. It's it's hot, it's humid, um, it's very old. It's about four hundred years old. So you know you have cobblestones on the street. It's very romantic sort of place. Lots of mountains, sugar. Um, they grow rice and fruit and all that sort of thing. Um, the capital city has a population of like 19 million people. So oh, the wow. population of Australia is in the main big in the main city. Um, we live to the north of the state, uh, near a state called Minas Gerais, which is, in English, translates to general mines, which is where they grow the, they get beautiful gemstones. It's very much, where we live near the place where Virginia is. So you've got any UFO buffs there, they'll They'll know about the Virginia uh, incident where they reckon a UFO crashed and these creatures terrorised this town for a few days before they say the military caught these creatures or something like that. And were you over there when all of that that type of folklore was happening? I'm not too sure when that happened. I think that happened before we moved there. I think that happened in the 90s. I'm really not too sure. But when you go to Virginia, they, they have this like this concrete spaceship thing as you enter the town, you know, like you have the big banana and, you know, the big pineapple and yeah. things like that. They've got the big UFO. You know? <laughs> and, 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 you know, the bus the bus sheds, the concrete bus sheds have aliens painted on them. And, yeah, you know, they're, they're making a tourist thing out of it. Yeah, good on they them. They really problem. lean into yeah. it. Yeah, they, they don't have a problem with UFOs and they don't think you're crazy if you see them over there. You know, it's a, it's a different, they think different over there. Um. Yeah, so we, we lived in a town called Lorena, which is a, uh, I don't know, population of about 100,000, I suppose, something like that. And uh, I was lying in my hammock out on the out on the veranda with my wife one day. It was really hot, so we were lying in the veranda. And um, it was in, during the day, about midday, and we were just lying there looking up. I was looking at the clouds, as I usually do, watching the clouds drift over. And... and uh, all of a sudden, this silver thing caught my eye, and it was like a, I don't know, twenty cent piece or something. It was about the height of an airline. You'd see a, like an airliner flyover, and uh, this thing just went in about five seconds, in my eye view, right across the top of me, right across the sky, and that's that's a fair fair distance. Yeah, that, about a twenty. That's cent traveling piece. quick, isn't it? 
it was going fast. It wasn't a flash or anything, but it was it was cruising fairly fast, faster than a jet aeroplane. And it about the size of a 20-cent piece. It was, you know, looking up from underneath, so it was circular, and it was silver. And probably five or so seconds later, I didn't really count the time, these three fighter jets come over, and they were following it. And they were hoiking. <laughs> you, could, you could hear them coming. This thing was, was silent. And, yeah, they, they, they were following in the direction. We lived near an Air Force base. I can't remember the name of the town there, but they manufacture their own planes and things like that. They have a big Air Force, um, big um, plane manufacturing industry over in Brazil. And uh, so, yeah, you know, that was uh, my, I looked at my wife and she looked at me and said, did we see that? <laughs> I said, yeah, I saw it. And uh, she saw it as well. So, yeah, it was a, it's like they're teasing me or something. <laughs> that's uh that's incredible i mean to see something like that on your own and to to not quite believe what you're seeing is is one thing but to to share that experience with your partner that's really incredible because that really cements that what you saw really did happen yeah yeah so it was there i mean it wasn't it didn't land or i didn't see any creatures or anything it was just you're doing your, your daily thing and you look up and it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> it is real, you know, and it, it was round and it was cruising. There was no sound. There was no roar of engines. There was no wings, no tail, uh, nothing like that. And then the human technology followed it over about five seconds later and it was roaring and they had wings and tails and they were in like a an arrow formation and they were following it over. So I know... It was. I know it's quite small in the sky from where you were, but were you able to see any details of this of this craft? I know it was going quite fast, and I and I know it was a quite a quite a quick encounter. But was there any anything that you noticed on the on the craft from where you could see it? It didn't look man made. Uh, you know, like you see a um, an airliner fly over. You can see the you know there's patches on it where they put the plates of aluminium on. The tails, you got the aerolons that, that go up and down. It was just clean silver. So it, it, like did, it didn't really look manufactured or anything like that? No, it looked sort of one, oh, I don't know, one piece. If you got a piece of aluminium and got a metal punch and punched it and you got a little circle of aluminium and held it up in the sky, that's what it would have looked like, like one piece. And the fact that this was making no noise and moving so quickly, that's really fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah. It was um it was it went through a couple of clouds, but there was, you know, a couple of clouds there, but we got a good view of it. It went through. I think it was above the clouds. I'm not really too sure about that. Um you tend to your memory tends to fade a bit sometimes. But uh yeah, it was clean. It was it just slid through the sky like, you know, it was sliding across a piece of ice. It, it just slid straight across. So, and- you know, you're probably looking at I don't know from we were on the second floor of this, they have things called sobratos there, which are like two-story brick buildings. So we were on the second floor, and we were high up above all the other houses, so I could see it. Um, Lorena is in like a valley. It's surrounded by mountains. It's an extremely hot place. Um, I had a little farm in the mountains as well, and you could see it from one side of the mountain right across the other side of the sky. I don't know, probably 
about five seconds, and that's 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004, 1,005, and it's gone straight across the sky. And how does that speed compare to the, the fighter jets that were after it? Uh, I think it was playing with the fighter jets, really. It was like, come on, guys, see if you can catch me, you know. Um, the fighter jets, were, they were really loud. They were pushing it. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. You know, I don't know if fighter jets are allowed to break the speed of sound in public areas, but um, they, were, they were modern fighter jets. Brazil has, I think. I'm not too sure of the name of them, but I think they're French jets or Swedish jets. They have Swedish jets, I think. I had a look the other day on, on the Brazilian website, but um, yeah, they were they were hoiking along the jets. They looked like they were going fast. The UFO kind of went fast across the sky, but it kind of just looked like it was floating. And it's really hard to give it that context without the sound, too. Really. Yeah, yeah, but the the jets looked like they were really kicking it you know they were yeah they had the foot to the floor if so to speak you know and they, they were growling and they were flying you know like when you see jets fly across i love i love fighter jets they're really i always have since i was a kid you know and they were really screaming across the sky and you could hear them it's a shame that it got out of out of your i guess your field of view because it would have been fantastic to see what happened afterwards they were going round and round and round or something, yeah. Like a bit of a dog fight, that would have been fantastic. But, uh, yeah, as I said, probably two hours' drive from the little town of Lorena, there's, there's an Air Force base. See, Brazil is still a very militaristic type of country. It had a dictatorship for, oh, from the 60s through to the late 80s. So even now you have, like, when you live in Brazil – the police force has four different types of police force. You have police militar, you have police civil, police rodoviaria, which is the road police, and they all don't get along with each other. And they all wear uniforms like military uniforms. You know, they've got the, the medals and the it's very military-like. You know? Yeah, yeah, there's still and, a lot uh, of overhang from, from previous times. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's, it's sort of a lot of hangover from the, the military, even, even the, the bomberos, the fire brigade. You know, they're part of the military system and they're not like the fire brigade you see fight the fires here. They're a separate entity. These guys have medals and they have the big jack boots on and, you know, they're like soldiers. They look like soldiers. So there's lots of military bases and air force bases around. It's it's a fairly militarised country. Um, so you really are taking, yeah. your, you're taking it to an extreme level if you're flying into that airspace as well. Yeah, yeah, and they actually have a they actually have a um, space program, Brazil. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. For, for, for a third world country, they have a very they're a very capable country. The only thing that spoils their country is the corruption that holds the country back. I mean, Brazil is equivalent size of the United States, and equivalent they have like a three hundred thousand population, two hundred eighty thousand. So they could be like the United States if they got their act into gear. Because they have a, they launch satellites, they launch things into space, they make their own aeroplanes, jets, passenger jets, fighter jets, they make their own tanks. So they're a fairly capable country. 
I wouldn't buy a car off them, though. But, um, <laughs> you might buy a jet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I could afford one. But, yeah, you know, so they're, you know, they've got going on behind the scenes. They have quite a large military and quite a large air force. And the air, and the, and the air force, Brazilian air force, actually controls the skies. Like in Brisbane, you have the Brisbane airport with the, what do you call those guys that do the radar and oh, the uh, like the traffic control and things like the that. Air traffic controllers, yeah. In Brazil, that's done by air force personnel. Right, so, so they, yeah, they really do have a good set of eyes on what's going on over that country the entire time. They would have seen what was happening. I mean, as I said, this air force base is about two hours away. Yeah, so they would. Nothing's getting past them. And, and you go to Rio de Janeiro, right? And you can see out in the bay in Rio de Janeiro. There's always military warships there. So, you know, they're, they're always worried about communist infiltration and, you know, things from Colombia and all of the neighbouring countries. You know, they, they have this history that goes back hundreds of years with neighbouring countries because Brazil is the only Portuguese-speaking country in South America. All the rest speak Spanish. So, you know, and then they've got the Amazon, all that horrible stuff that goes on in the Amazon. And that's sort of, they turn a blind eye to that, you know. So they, they, they have a big area of nothingness to defend. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, there's something else happened in Brazil. I don't know if I messaged you about it. Is this what happened um, on your friend's farm? Yeah, no, it was my farm. We had a little farm there. It was about 30 acres up in the mountains. It was just like a hobby farm. Just grew veggies and stuff there. Um we used to go up there about three days a week to get away from the heat. It was like about a thousand meters up, so it was, had a really nice view. Um, I used to go up. We had like I used to get about four bulls. We used to buy them when they're six months old and grow them up and call up a butcher to slaughter them and that sort of thing. That's how we had our own meat. And um, I was up in the corral one night. I was up the top of the mountain, so you could see all good. 100 kilometres either way around at the top of the mountain. You could see the other towns, the lights at night. It was very beautiful up there. It was very cool. You got the breeze. And I was up there one night and I was I was having a beer and just looking around and a bit of peace and quiet. And I remember I saw these in the neighbour's property. Um, I saw like these red flames on the ground. Uh, and I thought, oh, that's, that's a bit weird. The, the neighbour must be doing something there because... In Brazil, when they, they work at places and they, they have machinery they leave there, like roadworking machinery and stuff, they hire a poor person to come and guard it. And they usually get these tins of methylated spirits and set them on fire. So there's a light there. So people know that there's someone watching this stuff because you leave something lying around in Brazil, it's gone before you can turn around and look back at it. You know, there's lots of people with eyes, lots of poor people. Um, people take advantage of whatever they can. So I thought, oh, maybe he's doing something down there and someone's guarding a, like a some piece of equipment. And uh, so I didn't think much about it. And we had like this this uh, fellow there. He lived on, in the mountains with his father. He was illiterate. He couldn't read. He's a bit of an alcoholic sort of guy, but he was, he was a lovely guy. He'd come and did all the physical things like the fence postings and stuff like that. And I, I said to him, and uh, I said, oh, I saw something down on the neighbor's farm the other night. I don't know what it was. And um, I said, there was some lights there. And he says, I'll go down and ask the guy. He's at home. So I went, went next door and I was talking to this fella and Carlos. And I said, oh, 
were you up in the top of the farm last night? I, I said, I, I saw some red lights and they, they were red. You know, the, the, the light, it was like shaped like a, uh, like a flame. You ever seen those candles? I don't know, what are they? They're lights that are shaped like flames, red flames. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. They, they were shaped like that, like, like, like a man, like you'd draw a flame, you know, it's like, a, it's like you'd see on the side of a car sort of thing. Yeah. And I said, oh, there were some lights down there. They were strange lights. Were, were you guarding something last night? Or did you have? He's going, no, no, there was no one there last night. I said, well, I saw you there. I saw someone there last night. He's going, no, there was no one there. He said, you know, I took the dogs out to go to the toilet and all that sort of thing and have a drink. He says, there was no one there. Well, I says, well, I saw lights there. And there was like, I don't know, a couple, three or four or five, something like that. I didn't really count them. And they were sort of just hovering on the ground. It's very weird. And this, this would have been a couple of hundred metres away. Oh, wow. So that's and, fairly uh, close. Fairly close, yeah. I, you, you know, if there was a person walking there, you could tell who the person was. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. And these places are guarded because you don't have a farm that doesn't have a, a security fence there because there's a, there's a lot of violence in Brazil. There's a lot of drug problems in Brazil. I mean, crack is a, a serious problem in Brazil. They have, they have suburbs just for people on crack. They call it cracklander. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're just for people, the families, the children are on crack. Everywhere. It's, it's really sad to see. There are like thousands of people that live in this area that no one else goes to. So they corral them all into one suburb and they call it cracklander. So you've you got to have security. So you don't leave gates open. People will walk in and steal your bananas off the trees and they'll come in and if there's no one around, they'll pop in and steal the food out of your fridge. I mean, they're not thieves. They won't take your TV or anything. They call them andorillos. That means people who walk. So they walk the highways. They might have psychological problems or they're just homeless people. And they, they wander from town to town and they'll look at farms. So you've got to keep things pretty secure. And he said, no, there was no one there. I said, well, I saw lights there the other night. And he's going, oh, I don't know. So anyway, this, this guy that worked for me, this, he came back two days later when he came over to do some work. And he says, oh, I asked my dad about them lights the other day. And he says, my father's seen those lights years ago. A couple of times he says he's seen them. Oh, really? So, yeah. And his father was in his 80s. He was also illiterate. He couldn't read or write. They, they did hard physical work. So they, they were down-to-earth sort of people. You know, they had no reason to lie. or, And they weren't very well educated. You know, they weren't stupid people. They were very smart people. They knew what they had to do. But they weren't highly educated in school because they left school at grade three. They had to support their family, you know, um, things like that. So they, they were very poor. They were like the, the slaves of years. They're the descendants of the slaves. So they live in the bush. Um, they don't get the dole. They have to go farm to farm, do work, dig fence holes, cut down trees, all the, all the hard physical stuff. So his father, he said his father had seen those lights before and they didn't know what they were. That's interesting. So maybe there's, yeah, maybe there's lots of gemstones in the mountains or, uh, you know, they say the, you know, like when there's earthquakes, the lights come out of the ground. You know, like granites rubbing together or creates an electrical charge or something like that. But yeah. the lights were very strange. They were bright red. They weren't like a, like you see a fire, a fire isn't red. Yeah, well, and, and that's it because unless it was a chemically based fire and there was some kind of reaction causing it to go to a different color, 
Um, it, it it doesn't just burn red. It's it's usually a collection of colours. As everyone knows, what yeah. fire looks like at the heat of the fire. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering. Yeah, the blue, the yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm wondering if you're if you saw something that was maybe something similar to a, a Min Min light or something, but a, a Brazilian version. I was just going to say that. Yeah, uh, but come to think of it, the, 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 I just thought about it then. That the light from the distance would have been as probably big as my hand, so it must have been fairly big. So I, I, I just realised now, thinking about it, that what I saw or two, three hundred metres away, I could see quite easily. So if I walked down there, it must have been a fairly big light or a flame or whatever it was. So it must have been fairly big. And they were just like hovering on the ground. So, you know, I thought, you know, like I said, they, they pour methylated spirits in a can and light it so people can see that there's someone there so people won't enter it and try and steal things. So I'm thinking, well, it must have been a big can with a lot of methylated spirits in it. So it would be, <laughs> it'd be a drum thing. by the sounds of the sounds of that. But, uh, yeah, so that that was pretty pretty strange. Um you hear stories of um, lights, you know, you see on YouTube and these UFO shows. That light, you know, I think there's a place in America called that Brown Mountain where the lights come out of the mountain and crowds gather there, you know. I don't think it's anything extraterrestrial, anyway. But- it's definitely a worldwide phenomenon because, I mean, Australia, they call them the, the Min Min Lights. Min Min, you know, other places call them jack-o'-lanterns. Some call them willow-o'-wisps, yeah. things like that. So, you know, it's it's definitely a phenomenon that does happen all around the world. And there's definitely scientific explanations for a lot of them. But, you know, yeah, there's, there's yeah. a lot of explanations that, well, I guess there's a lot of encounters that can't be explained is what I'm, I'm really trying to say there. Yeah, yeah. You can't just go out and say it's aliens straight away. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> Which- I mean... In Brazil, there's lots of fireflies too. Oh, right. And they're, they're out, the side of our mountain would be uh, lit up at night sometimes with these lights coming in and off, on and on, on and off, I mean, you know, and these little fireflies, and that's how they attract their mates, by flashing their, their tail. They would have little, like, orange orange abdomens on them, and when they fly around, their tail, if you, if you shine a torch at them, they'll come to the torch and light up. So we don't have those things in Australia, but they're pretty far out to see them. Yeah, I can so imagine it wasn't, so. It wasn't those. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, look, I, I think there's things in this planet that we don't even know about yet. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. And, you know, that's going to really lead me to the, the final question tonight there, Michael, is, you know, you've seen a, you've seen your hand handful of, of UFOs and, and weird lights, but what do you think a, a UFO is? Yeah, it's it's... Um, I wouldn't be so arrogant enough to say I know what they are. I don't think they're human things unless, you know, that re-engineering thing they say, that's, what's that that guy that worked at Area 51 or whatever his name was? Oh, uh, Bob Lazar. Scientist. Bob Lazar, yeah. Um, I don't particularly think that guy's lying. Um, why you do that to yourself, I don't know. Put yourself in the spotlight. But, uh, you know, you, you, things like the Tic Tac, you know, that latest things, I think, last year or the year before, they, they saw the Tic Tacs and the Gimbal um, photos. We all saw it on the news and, you know, we've investigated that. They, you have those Air Force pilots who are extremely fit people. They're psychologically strong people. 
we have astronauts who are the best of the best. Um, I mean, you have people that are running nuclear bases that I'm sure have psychological tests before they're allowed to run a military base with nuclear weapons on it. See these things. We have to believe these people. Um, you know, I, th I think these, these things are extraterrestrial things. Um, whether they're um, spirits, that how they travel in a spirit, it's just like a spiritual ship or something like that. I don't know if they're creatures or spirits or something like that. I heard a story, um, I don't know if maybe some of your, your listeners out there have heard the story about the nurse that worked at Area 51 and she had a range of conversations with this so-called alien that survived the crash. Uh, I forget the lady's name. Um, she was a nurse and the alien would only talk to her. The alien wouldn't talk to the military officers because the alien knew that the military officers wanted information so they could make weapons and stuff. So the alien would talk to her and the alien basically said that they were spirits and that alien body, that little grey alien, they called them dolls. So the spirit entered the doll and that's how they travelled. So, you know, it's very strange things. But now some of these, um, the thing that gets me at the moment is these so-called UFO experts that we all hear about, the very, um, what can I say, the very common ones. You know, there's one from England and they have podcasts and things in America. They're famous people. They have big followings. Now they're saying that these Tic Tacs and that are, are American drones from the military. I mean, I think that's absurd that, you could ex you could mistake something that's shaped like a drone for something that's shaped like a Tic Tac or a or a Panadol tablet. You know, it's um, yeah. You know, they don't have wings, they don't have tails, they don't have cockpits or wheels or anything like that. How can you? What is their game that suddenly they've changed their attitude to say that these so-called Tic Tacs are now drones? They they're saying that these fighter pilots mistakenly saw something well fighter pilots don't mistakenly see something no not at all yeah. and and it's kind of it's kind of uh an odd thing to say that a a military pilot wouldn't know what a drone looked like <laughs> yeah that's right i mean and and if you had a military drone it wouldn't be flying in a in an area where they're doing practice drills with with million dollar aircraft Oh, that's exactly it. I, you know, that's a very expensive mistake to to make if something happened in there. You know, you yeah, lose I mean, life. You you lose millions, millions of dollars worth of 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 drone equipment, of of planes, of pilot life. Yeah. You know, there's just too much on the line. Exactly. I mean, you know, these these fighter pilots that have risked their reputation to come out and say these things, they're sick to death of having to fly. And I mean, these so-called UFOs fly straight between their planes. I mean, they're going, well, you know, they're risking their life for their country, but they don't want to die over their own coastline by these unidentified aircraft that no one knows what they are. Mm, and I don't blame them. Yeah, well, you know, like if uh, it's like some of those astronauts that said when they were going to the moon that they were followed. Now, when an astronaut comes out and says he saw something follow his craft to the moon, 
you could take that money to the bank. That is exactly what it saw. Because those astronauts, when they sat on top of that big Apollo rocket, they had their rights read to them before they left. They weren't expected to return. They were brave men. And they were the strongest and fittest psychological men you could find. I mean, they were—they were—they flew experimental aircraft. They didn't buckle under pressure. Those men. That's why they got the job. And now we're saying that they're—they're they're hallucinating or seeing swamp gas. This is—this is an insult to these people. Absolutely. Country, you know? I agree so, with you hundred percent, there, Michael. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just wondering why these experts now are going back and saying, "Oh, they're drones." It's like, well, hey. Are they being paid by someone to do this, or is it the, this government coming interfering again, trying to make it look these people look silly? It's um, it's the million dollar question, isn't it? It's it's something. Yeah, why that, would one minute they say the UFOs and then come back a couple of months later and say, "Oh no, they're drones"? When you you know you can put them both together, you can see they're totally opposite looking things. It's uh, Roswell two point oh, mate. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> like it. So, uh, but, uh, you have to see it to believe it. Well, Michael, I want to thank you for uh, coming on the show and sharing your encounters. They are they are really fascinating, and I I really dug the uh, the fact that you got to see a UFO chase by some uh, fighter jets. I think that's a fascinating encounter. Yeah, I won't forget that. Th- thanks for having me on. I, I really like your show, and I like your interview style. It's, you get a lot of information out of people that normally wouldn't come out. But sorry, it wasn't a, a much more exciting experience, but. You know, it is what it is. Oh, mate, anytime someone comes on the, onto the show to talk about UFOs, I find that very exciting. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> and that's going to do it for tonight. And remember, if you have had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook, and that's facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. Until next time, stay safe, and you've been listening to Believe, Australian Paranormal and UFO Radio. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>